0: join me in a word of prayer as we begin. God, we thank you that you are a God who loves to give good gifts and practices abundance. You can make much from from the little that we have. Pray that we would be open to how your spirit is moving in the midst of us this morning. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so I'm going to tell you up front. um, It's such a great story, and there's a lot in there. There's probably seven or eight different types of sermons in that John chapter two passage about Jesus turning the water into wine, but that's not what I'm preaching about today. Um, I, I told I told Robert this week that that wasn't where I was leaning after I'd been praying and studying a little bit, and he was kind of like, what? And I was like, yeah, I don't know. I, I just felt drawn to the Corinthians passage. There was something in there that I felt like... Um, I wanted to to share and was just thinking about my experience of church and and our collective experience together as as the body of Christ and thinking what does it mean to talk about these different spiritual gifts that that God blesses his people with I think we're still close to Christmas right that we when we hear the word "gift," our, our brain kind of goes there still. Maybe right, you're you've, you're still enjoying a really great gift that someone got you, or maybe you're wishing you would have gotten that gift that you really, really wanted. Um, and I was thinking about just my family's practice of gift, gift giving growing up. Um, we're pretty pragmatic. Um, there's not a lot of mystery, especially now that were grown and out of the house and in different parts of the US and stuff my parents basically say hey give me a, give me a list of some of the things you like and and I'll surprise you with what I get which is which is fine it's it, you know I, I I'm rarely disappointed in the gift that I that I do get but I've found that at least for me as I've gotten older the gifts that I've really come to enjoy the most have been gifts that were actually a, a true surprise, right, that type of thing where someone gets it for you and they tell you, you may not want this, but I think you'll like this, right, and, and when it when that it actually is the case, it, it really is a, a joy, right, it, and, it doesn't, and it doesn't, maybe it's not something you would buy for yourself, not even because it's expensive, but, you know, that's just not necessarily what you're thinking, but when that gift lands, right, like, that's a really great gift, and the, the other gift that I've been thinking about that I've been learning to enjoy has been a gift that I can actually share with other people. Um, for me, lately, I've developed a love for cooking, especially since we've moved here and having a child and stuff. I've gotten into cooking a lot more. Some of that has been some of the food that I like to eat. It's, it's hard to find around here. I love Korean food, and there's not a Korean place anywhere that's like under an hour drive, really. And so I've taken to cooking my own Korean food and learning how to do that. And so getting getting a cookbook is a big blessing because rarely am I just ever cooking for myself. I'm always cooking to share, at least with my family, if not with, with others as well. And I say that all on the front end because I think the when we hear Paul talking about these spiritual gifts, it's easy for us to adopt a similar mindset to like the physical gifts that we receive, right? Especially on Christmas or birthdays or things of that nature. And in our passage this morning, I think Paul is actually warning us that if we take this me first mentality about the gifts about that we can with gifts, about spiritual gifts that we're kind of missing the point of what it is that God is trying to do with the gifts that he gives us spiritually. The Corinthians had actually even made like a hierarchy of gifts, and that was something that was creating division within their community. Some gifts were seen as the better gifts. Some gifts were seen as the not-so-good gifts, People were complaining that they didn't get what they wanted or they were shaming others that they didn't have something that they thought they should have. And Paul kind of comes in at this point and he's talking about worship together and worship together in the body. There's a broader section that goes beyond just this chapter that that Paul is talking about. And Paul kind of wants to gently say, that's the wrong mentality to have about a gift from God, to be thinking about yourself and what you're receiving from God first and foremost. The gifts of God, they're never ends in and of themselves. God has given them to us because he's entrusted us to steward them well, that they're gifts that that have a life beyond just what we receive in and through them. So this morning, I want to challenge us to think about spiritual gifts, not in individualistic terms, but actually to think about the spiritual gifts that God gives us and God gives those in his body for the sake of other people. And this is the good news that I hear in this passage from Paul. The good news is this, that God, the creator of the universe, in his love and mercy and grace, he's actually delighted to give his children special spiritual gifts. And he doesn't just give those gifts to some, but those gifts are actually available to all his children. Right? God's gifting, it's not just only for the elites or the most talented or the best of the best, right, to shine, but it's actually for all his people. And so when I kind of take that down into a personal level, it makes me think about the things that God has gifted me with, they're not just first and foremost for my own well-being or for my own spiritual piety. That might be something that happens in the midst of that, but that was never the purpose of those things. But God has gifted me and each and every one of us in this room and joining us online, and also outside of you're braving the elements, um, God has gifted us actually corporately together for the building up of his body in our community. So let's look a little bit at this passage in particular. Verse 1, Paul says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. So Paul kind of starts in and says, hey, there's some stuff out there about gifts. You're practicing these gifts in a particular way, And I want to kind of set the record straight, right? I want to help you understand what these gifts are all about. I don't want you to be uninformed. He also says, you know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. And so Paul is even, in this saying, you might have even been stirred in a particular way, but that doesn't automatically mean it was of God's spirit. That part of what we need to do when we're following God is testing those spirits, practice discernment, say, is the gifting, does it line up with who we know God to be, right? Because if God is the giver of those gifts, those gifts should probably reflect something about who God is. And then he goes on to say that the same spirit that helps us to say that Jesus is Lord, to trust God, to follow him in that way, that same spirit is at work in the community giving these gifts. So let me... let me. Um, share a little bit about some of my experience and my own growing understanding of the ways that God has gifted me. Some of you may know this, some of you may may not, but I, I didn't grow up Anglican. I actually grew up in megachurch world, and that was a, good, a broadly good experience for me. That I would definitely say a lot of my own love of the Bible came from the church that I, I grew up in. Um, But one of the things that was always difficult for me in the church that I grew up in, and again, I don't think this was ever like a directly communicated thing. It was something I had to wrestle with, especially as I was trying to discover my own gifting and in particular a calling to ministry. It was the sense that the emphasis that was placed sometimes on a sense of stage presence for ministry leaders. I think some of that was my own jealousy. Um, I saw people come get up on stage, and they were just so natural and fluid and had such a way of communicating and speaking. And there was a part of me, because I didn't have it, I was like, I want something of that. And again, like I said, no one ever said it outright that you have to be this polished speaker or whatever to do this. But it seemed like those were the types of people that were getting the opportunities to share. Those were the models that I had. And like I mentioned, it it made me self-conscious, even to the point where I wondered for a season, you know, am I cut out for ministry if I'm not the best joke teller or storyteller, right? Is, Is there a place in the body for the giftings that I think I had? And as I grew and learned more about myself and got to practice and was invited even to practice some of these gifts that the Lord had given me, what I began to realize is that God could still use me even if I would never be invited to give a TED Talk or something like that. That I might have different kinds of gifting and that gifting was actually a good thing and I should embrace the gifting the way that God has created me to be, and not just say, that looks flashy and cool and interesting. I want that thing. So I say that so we can circle back and see what is Paul trying to truly communicate about these gifts. I think part of what Paul is trying to communicate to the Corinthians is that if you only emphasize a particular type of gifting, what you're actually doing is you're putting a limit on God. Right? You're saying, essentially, that if only three or four types of gifts are ever celebrated in a community, well, this is the only way that God works. But what, is, what do we see in the passage, starting in verse 4? I'm going to read verses 4 through 6 again and, and, and talk about them a little bit more. Now, there are varieties of gifts, right? Varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, or I read one commentator say, you can almost translate that word as like energizing forces. It's even stronger than activities. But it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. So here's what I want us to see in looking at this passage about what Paul is saying. Paul is saying that the differences and the diversity of gifts in a body of believers, is actually a good and beautiful thing. That's how God designed it to be. And the reason that this diversity of gifts works is because they all come from the same source, right? They all come from the Holy Spirit. God is the one who sees in a bigger way than we can see from our limited human perception sometimes. All gifts are good, even if we might wrongly attach extra value or importance to some and not to others. And again, right, this isn't just about identifying people who are gifted or talented of their own accord naturally. No, Paul is saying that all believers have gifts. And part of what the body helps us to do is to discern those gifts amongst one another. If we look at verses 4 through 6, it's actually really Trinitarian in nature. It talks about how the Spirit equips us with these particular gifts. The Son, the Lord, right, Jesus, gives us ministry assignments, if you will. And the Father is the one that energizes all this to happen, right? He's the source of those gifts, It's a reminder, right, that the work of the Holy Spirit, it never happens apart from the work of the Father and the Son as well, right? There's unity in the Godhead, right? In the technical language of theology, we talk about how God is one person or divine being or one Godhead divine being with three persons. So Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are always moving in the same direction. Again, right, we don't get gifts on our own accord. It's not according to what we want, but according to what God says is good for the greater whole. So I mentioned a little bit in sharing about my own kind of journey through discovering some of these gifts. Um, I not only learned that I shouldn't be envious of other people's gifts, but there's also a need for me to identify my own, to say, Lord, how have you particularly gifted me? And how can I then use that? Again, not for my own ego or for my own glory, but for the building up of the body. Part of my story that I've shared in different places, and I'll I'll mention a little bit again this morning, is that I was invited to help lead some Bible studies even as a teenager. That's part of the reason I'm standing here. That's part of the reason that I I do student ministry here is because I know God can work through everybody. There's giftings all across the body and I was invited by leaders to take that first step. They saw something in me. They saw gifting in me that I I didn't see in myself in the moment, and in that community, those giftings were allowed to grow and to flourish. They weren't fully formed, but I had to go ahead and say, yes, I'm going to give this a shot, to say, yes, maybe this is, and to get feedback from other people. So here is the connection that I do want to make with our gospel text, with Jesus turning water into wine at the wedding, this amazing first public sign in John's gospel of his ministry. We're here in the season of Epiphany, and part of what we focus on in Epiphany is this idea of how does God reveal himself to the world, right? In particular, in Jesus. When we look at the sign of Jesus turning the water into wine, right, saving the best wine for the end of the wedding. Here's how I think it points to something bigger. I came across this quote in my study from a Lutheran minister and missionary whose name is Elizabeth Johnson. And this is what she says. She says, the sign of Jesus changing the water into wine at the Cana wedding points us to something far more valuable than the wine itself, as fine as that wine may be. It points us to the source of all life and joy. Life abundant is more than mere existence or survival, and certainly more than abundance of material things. Abundant life is to know and be known by the one through whom all life came into being. It is to have an intimate relationship with the one who loves us so much that he doesn't know how to stop giving. It is the kind of life depicted by the abundance of fine wine in this story. So here's the relationship that I want to draw between John's gospel and this text in Corinthians. That same God creates abundantly more, right, in this wedding feast. That's how he's gifted his people, the church. We have abundantly more than we could ever need both individually and as a community, spiritually. But, right, we have to seek that gifting out, right? We have to put it into practice. Again, not for our own sake, but a bigger picture for the sake of other people. God uses ordinary, right? Is there anything more ordinary in our world than water? But God does this amazing thing with the water, right? He turns the water into the finest wine that the wedding goers had ever Drunk. And so the same, I think, is true with us, right? You might feel very ordinary and very unextraordinary, but that's not how God sees you. You have gifts, He's created you for purpose in this world. And part of what we get to do, and I think this is some of the joy that a Christian community experiences together is experiencing that with one another. I might have some gifts to give to you, but on the same end, right, you might have some gifts that will bless me. And they're not the same gifts, but when we explore that together, you know what's revealed? The glory of the one who gave all those gifts to this community to begin with. And I th- and that's not just glory that we see who are part of this body, but I think like in John's Gospel, this is glory of God that the world around us sees as well when the body is working out these gifts together to God's glory. So, a question for you: Do you know what your gifts are? It's okay if you don't. Like I said, I very rarely do any of us have a sense of these gifts as fully formed things. Sometimes it's just taking a step of faith and trying to serve God in a very particular type of way of saying, God, what are the things you've given me, whether they're life experiences or talents and abilities, and sometimes we just need to put those into practice, right? And as we do that, God, in his graciousness, in his abundance, pours more into us and out through us than we could ever imagine. So there's this list of gifts in 8 through 10, and I didn't want to spend a lot of time talking about the gifts. I wanted to talk about why God gives gifts. The gifts are there. This list is actually not exhaustive. There's other places in Paul's letters and in other parts of the Bible where he talks about other gifts that don't even get mentioned. Um, but I do think they're worth, what is worth mentioning is that when Paul is naming off the gifts, he starts actually with gifts that some people wouldn't see as the most desirable or flashy. He starts off with the gifts of wisdom, gifts of knowledge, gifts of faith, right? This extraordinary ability to trust God with the whole of who you are. That's a gift. Some of you have gifts of faith. Some of your abilities to hold on to God and trust him no matter what's happening in the world around you, it's a gift to other people in the body who don't have that type of faith. And when we hide those gifts, right, when we don't put them on display, there are others who don't benefit from them. Paul, as he goes on, right, he, he talks about some of these other more spectacular gifts, so to speak, right? He talks about healing. He talks about prophecy. He talks about speaking in tongues. And while those are amazing gifts, right, they are not, um, they're not better than. Paul is trying to make this clear, that they're not better than some of those other quieter gifts, so to speak. And I think that's a good word for us to remember. Some people's gifts get seen very easily. And that's okay. That's how the Lord designed this. But there are other people who are always at work in the body, doing things in the background. I think about people who who I've known for a long time, who are quiet prayer warriors, have a particular gift of prayer and are regularly praying for things, right? Those people maybe don't get seen, but I know for me, I see the the gifts of God at work in them. I can feel the effect of how they have this special gift for prayer. So Paul continues in this passage in in verses that we're not reading and I'm only going to touch on briefly. He continues this, this extended metaphor of talking about the church as a body. And he says that this is a body, and part of it, right, is we all have different parts to play, like literally parts to play. And he says that it it doesn't make sense if you're an ear, right, to say, gee, I just wish I was a foot. The foot is where all the action is, right? That's that—that's the part of the body I want to be. Paul says, no, like, embrace your earness, Like, be the best ear that you can be, right? Embrace if we think about it, right, a body without ears isn't operating as as a body is intended to operate. And so the encouragement I would give for our community is to say, press into those gifts, whether you already know them or you're beginning to discover them for the first time. I think these gifts, like I mentioned, are actually discovered in community. And these gifts, the other thing I want to say, too, is these gifts aren't fully formed at first. You need to See, is this, you know, you might step into something, find a place to serve, and it actually may not be a place of gifting, and that's all right. But you may say yes to something. God may invite you into a particular opportunity, whether it's here within our church or beyond in the greater community, and the Lord may bless you so abundantly in that you would never have seen it coming. God never intended that the church would be a spectator thing right? Each and every one of us has a part to play in the body. And a part to play not so that we're the superstar on the team, right? But for the lifting up of the whole team together. So in closing, I want to highlight this verse because I really, this is really what I'm getting at at the end of the day. Verse 7, to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. As I was thinking about this and putting this together um, last night, I couldn't help but think about the weekend that we have this weekend, right? Where we have tomorrow off from school and other things for Martin Luther King Day. And I think about Dr. King, and I think about there is someone who used the gifts that the Holy Spirit gave him for the good of others, right? Here is someone who is undoubtedly one of the greatest speakers in American history. But what did he do with that speaking gift that that he had? He used it to share about the love that God has for all people. He used his gift to speak up against the injustice that he saw happening in society. He used that gift to point people into the better way that God has designed us to live. And that's a legacy, right, that still lives on to this day. One of my own personal practices that I do on Martin Luther King weekend is every year, I've done this for the past six or seven years or so, is I'll take some time on the weekend and I'll, you know, read some of Dr. King's sermons and some of his writings and things. And one of the ones I always read is Letter from a Birmingham Jail. So if you've never read that before, take 10 or 15 minutes and and, and read it and reflect on it. I think Dr. King is a great example of someone who used the gifts that God gave him, not just for his own good, but for the greater good as well. Um, I want to close with, uh, with a collect in honor of Dr. Dr. King. Almighty God, by the hand of Moses, your servant, you led your people out of slavery and made them free at last. Grant that your church, following the example of your prophet Martin Luther King, may resist oppression in the name of your love, and may strive to secure for all your children the blessed liberty of the gospel of Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.